Welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Male newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash No BS Guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash No BS Guide. All right, guys, welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman. Here I am with you this week and every week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Guys, midlife is not a crisis. It's the sweet spot. When for too long, Men have been told that midlife is a death sentence, a period of crisis, decline, and invisibility. In fact, midlife can and is an incredible time of renewal, confidence, and impact. I totally, completely, and thoroughly believe this. And so I wrote the Midlife Mail, a must-read guide for men who are tired of the narrative that getting older means irrelevance. We've changed thousands of lives through the weekly newsletter, this podcast, conversations with top CEOs, athletes, chefs, authors, and other high performers. And I want to be out here with each and every one of you encouraging men in midlife to strive for purpose, enjoy, take action, ask questions, accept responsibility, embrace curiosity, and live and leave a legacy that our loved ones can proudly inherit. The book, The Midlife Mail, provides advice to boost confidence, accountability, and creativity, and strips away the notions of traditional manhood and replaces them with principles of openness and authenticity. It's a call to open up to being your best self and have a hell of a lot of fun in the process. The Midlife Mail, it's a no BS guide to living better, longer, happier, healthier, and wealthier, and having more fun in your 40s and 50s. It is available now. It debuted at number one on Amazon in the self-help midlife and a few other categories, which is pretty unbelievable. So I'm grateful and appreciative to all of you. Don't believe me. Okay. By the way, this is hard for me to read. Don't believe me. Some praise for the book, The Ultimate Guide to Getting Better as You Get Older. Greg truly lives his message. This book is a game changer. My man, Rich Kleiman, partner and co-founder, 35 Ventures. That's Kevin Durant's company right there. 
The midlife male is all about being a better father, athlete, husband, and overall person with no excuses. Greg's story is inspirational, and this book provides the tools to become the man you want to be. Robert Tuckman, thank you, host of Entrepreneur Magazine's How Success Happens podcast. All right, that's enough of that. This is too hard for me to 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 read here and talk about myself and the book. But really, it would mean the world for me if you guys went out, picked up a copy of the book, shared it with your friends, spread the midlife mail message, um, and help this continue to grow. So head on over to Amazon, uh, look up Midlife Mail. The book will pop up, or you could also always go to midlifemail.com. Thank you so much for that. Let's talk about today's podcast. Okay. Steve Welch, for 20 years, has built and scaled companies with a consistent vision for creating companies that create a better world. He is the co-founder of Restore Hyper Wellness, which launched in 2015, and he has served as an executive chairman and champion for changing how we invest in our own health. His entrepreneurial journey began back in 2001 when, with hardly a cent to his name, Steve founded Mitos Technologies. It's either Mitos or Mitos. So I apologize if I botched that. Uh, But he was the founder of it and developed disposable biological systems. Parker Hannafin acquired Mitos or Mitos. I'm recording this after Steve and I have done the interview. Should have asked, guess what? There it is. Steve then founded DreamIt, which Forbes ranked as one of the top three accelerators in the world. Over the past 14 years, DreamIt, which is easier for me to pronounce, has helped launch almost 400 companies that now have aggregate values approaching 10 billion, including Level Up with their 400 million exit to Grubhub, SeatGeek, a 1.3 billion valuation, Octane Lending at 900 million at Redox, and Echo valued at 500 million as viewed as significant players in changing the course of healthcare. The man knows what he is doing. In 2010, he published We Are All Born Entrepreneurs, in which he uses his story and those of over a dozen other founders to explain what drives these types of leaders. That's really, really interesting stuff. Um, and I love those types of stories, hence why we're here and why we got Steve on the show. He also shares lessons learned from the success and failures of his fellow entrepreneurs. I am a big fan of what Restore is doing. I am a big fan of what Steve and his partner, Jim Donnelly, have done with Restore to scale it, to be at the forefront of hyper-wellness. Um, Super interesting, guys. I had Jim on the podcast way back when we were first starting out, and we have remained uh, friends ever since. And it was a pleasure and a privilege to sit down with Steve now to talk about where he is at, where Restore is at, where it's going, uh, and what hyper-wellness really looks like and how it can make such a positive impact in the midlife male lifestyle and any lifestyle for that matter. But we're going to stay narrow and deep a little bit here on the on the midlife male aspect of things. I am a huge proponent of so many of the things that they do. I use them. I integrate them into my routines, my habits, my behaviors. And because of it, I am feeling and living better than I ever have. So let's get into it this week on the Midlife Male Podcast 
Steve Welch. Here we go. It's a beautiful morning. We are here at the headquarters of Restore Hyper Wellness. Steve Welch, welcome to the Midlife Mail podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Craig. So this is really exciting for me. You know, we met years ago when I was in a completely different industry, in a completely different phase of my life. I was in insurance. I was in risk management. I had your partner Jim on as one of the earliest guests, and we were talking about different subjects. We were talking about mitigating risk. We were talking about opportunity. You guys were in, were in a different place. So this is just really great to be here today and kind of come full circle and open it up in a whole new area and see what you guys have accomplished. So thank yeah, you. Now we're, we're pretty proud of how far we've come in a, a very short period of time. Ab- absolutely. To, to that effect, if I could even you know, start here, um, why? Like, what makes Restore so successful? You know, we've seen a lot of people enter this space, you know, and kind of think about wellness and sustainability and what they should do. But you guys have really managed to, to not only, like, nail it, but scale it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and it's, it's a question we ask ourselves every day. What are we doing right, and what can we do better? Um, I think our business works um, because people come in feeling one way. They leave feeling better. It's that simple. Fundamentally, that's why the business is so successful. Now, on top of that, I think we've built an incredible team. Um, we've done an incredible job of building out the talent that's needed to scale a business. You know, it's hard to do. I mean, a franchise business is difficult in the fact that um, it's geographically very dispersed. Um, it requires a very tight management system. It requires a lot of investment in technology, uh, a lot of investment in getting systems up. And I think we've done that at the appropriate scale at the appropriate times. And I think that's because, you know, this is not my first rodeo. It's not my partner's first rodeo. Um, and because of that, we brought a lot of skills and experiences, both good and bad from the past that have enabled us to, to assemble this team and execute pretty, pretty well. I mean, we are far from flawless. We have a, a lot of things we need to improve upon, but to date, you know, I think we're, we're executing very well. To, to that manner, you know, not being your first rodeo and having been involved in a number of different things throughout your career and, and we'll get in there. You know, one thing that's always interesting to me is that that combination of decision to combine kind of personal passion, you know, with professional expertise. So it's one thing to be interested in the lifestyle and your own health and wellness and getting into to your journey as well. It's another to make it a business. Like, what intrigued you about combining those things? Yeah, that, that is a life philosophy. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to make money in this world. Uh, I have always chosen to invest my time and talents and things that I'm passionate about and, and I believe in that I think makes the world a better place. Um, like many people, I find purpose in my work every day. Um, and it's important if you're, if you find purpose in work, um, it's really important to focus on something where that, that outcome or that business really helps society. So my earliest adventure was, um, I started a company when I was 23 called Mitos and, um, 23 years old, you know, I was, I have an engineering degree is my first job out of school. Um, saw a need in the marketplace for, you know, in the biotech industry. Um, at the time you had pharmaceutical industries trying to adopt technology or biotech industry trying to adopt pharmaceutical industry technology. And I saw a need out there. And to really improve the way we manufactured vaccines and biological drugs. And I left, you know, a good company to go take a challenge or take the, um, take the journey. And, and, you know, from that point on, almost every business I've ever been involved in, I believed that the business was improving society. And, and that was, that's what gets me up every day. That's why I do it. Um, like I said, there's a lot of ways to make money in this world. So you might as well do something that you're passionate about and you believe really changes the world while you're doing it. Mm, totally. You mentioned what gets you up every day. So... Walk me through what your day looks like. 
Yeah, so my day is less static than most people would believe. In many ways, I'm a creature of habit, but what happens is I kind of have three buckets in my life. Um, I have my family bucket, I have my work bucket, and I have my me bucket. And I think what I've done pretty successfully over a pretty long period of time is balancing those different buckets. And, and it doesn't mean they're balanced at all times. In fact, often they're way out of balance. Right now, I am working 80 hours a week. Um, I am spending very little time on myself. I'm spending less time on my family than I did you know, six months ago. But it is the key, the key for me is making sure that I'm investing that time. And over the long haul, I'm keeping balance within those different buckets. And, I, and I'm, I'm blessed. I have a wife um, that um, is good at helping remind the kids when those things are, that balance is different. It, you know, I, I think you know, a lot of people in this world struggle. They get focused on one thing in life and it gets hard to find that balance. I've been able to find that balance by making sure I have a spouse that's supportive of those things and then um, you know having my own kind of techniques for making sure I'm get, keeping them in balance mm, I think it's such a good point that you know you can get fixated get, people get fixated on every single day you know I've got to hit all of these things or be in balance every day versus kind of the bigger picture you know at some points work takes priority other times you may free up and have a little bit more time for family your spouse so on and so forth but you can really get bogged down in that okay every day I have to hit cryo every day I've got to hit the sauna every day I've got to meditate every day I've got to work a full day exercise you know that could be that could be overwhelming to, to that effect hyper wellness like what's the like what's your description you know of, of what hyper wellness means yeah it's a proactive way of thinking about life you know, we invest and we train people in this country to invest in everything we train them to invest in their education rightfully so we train them to invest in their homes, um, their retirement, but yet the most valuable resource we all possess is our health. And as, as a society, we have not prioritized that from an investment standpoint. Hyper wellness is about taking that and changing it. The mindset of the consumer that you're going to invest today in your health because it's going to pay out for the long haul, much more so than you know investing in other things in life. You know, having a nice handbag is great, uh, but is that really going to change the outcome of your life? Um, so I think you know the consumer intuitively realizes that, that there's a, there's lack of balance in how they're making they're spending their money, and I think they're trying to now look for and find ways to invest in that health, and that's what we're there to help them to do. Well, I'm going to play back the handbag line for my wife later, and we can debate whether or not it really have a significant impact on the quality of the rest of her life. All right. We, we can do that. You are okay, a midlife male. Well, well, wait a sec. Time out on that. Because um, I, I woke up yesterday morning. I saw my schedule today in advance, and I did see Midlife Male podcast on there. And it has, has had me thinking for the last two days, what is a midlife? So I, I want to I know what, what our definition is. Not that I'm disagreeing that I'm midlife, but I want to know, am I near midlife? Am I late midlife? Where, where am I? So it, it's a great question. Um, you know, Men's Health Magazine, the last one I read, defined it as 37 based on a life expectancy of 76, which seemed like low in terms of a life ex expectancy that we're going to outlive this by a while, and also seemed young to me as, as a starting point. That being said... My best answer is, I don't know. I know some very old 30-somethings, and I know some very young 60-somethings. So I really believe that it is a mindset. And kind of, again, what are you doing with your days? How are you living? What is your perspective you know, on it? I think the crisis is real, but I think we're seeing guys fall into it at various ages you know, yep. and, and stages. So... Maybe a weak answer to your question. But. No, it's, it's obviously everybody's different, but I don't feel midlife. That's why I, I, I asked the question. You know, so you... I didn't feel like 40 didn't land with me. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
didn't seem to matter. Now, 47 was the age, unfortunately, my father passed away. That landed hard. So getting beyond 47 was bonus time. Now approaching 50, I feel like we're just getting started. I, I agree. So, you know, I, um, I don't even remember the original question. I apologize. But, you know, I, I don't think I'm midlife. I got a long way to go here. Um, and I, in many ways, I think I'm at, at the peak. You know, I'm 46 now. Um, I, I think I'm certainly at my creative peak. Um, if I kind of look at, you know, you know, product development is one of the areas that I spend a lot of time on. If I look at my skill set when I was in my early 30s versus now on a product development side, I'm, I'm just in a better place. Um, every bit of experience on the finance side, I'm, I'm just in a better place. So on, on the business side, I certainly um, feel like I'm far from my peak. Physically, you know, I, I ran my last marathon faster than I ran my marathon when I was 23. Um, you know, I'm probably more active than I've ever been before. Um, so I think, you know, I, I get it. There has to be a definition. There's a, there is a midlife at some point, but I, I certainly think I'm far from it. What has your health journey been? You mentioned you're getting better and stronger and, and faster, but walk us through kind of the journey. Yeah. So um, health, health does not exist in a vacuum. Um, and my health journey probably falls along the line of my life journey. So um, as I mentioned, my first company I started when I was 23. Um, at that time, I, you know, I didn't have a cent to my name. Um, that company grew very quickly. I bootstrapped it, so they don't know it, but Merck and Amgen, I got them to pay 50% upfront on everything, and then I pushed the supply chain out. Um, you know, so I used the float from that cash to grow the business. That's a highly stressful way to grow a business in hindsight. Um, it's just there's, there's not a lot of room for error. Um, so that was a stressful time. Um, you know, the other challenges, especially when you're 23, and, and we were selling systems to Merck that were replacing, you know, they were critical to their manufacturing operation, you know, FDA-approved processes. Um, there, you know, I learned at a pretty young age, I had to show success. And, you know, I probably was, you know, showing success way before I actually was successful. And that creates stress in, in life. Um, I had a manufacturing plant in Saratoga, New York, I was living in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I was struggling for money to the point where I would literally drive up there um, on a Tuesday morning, I would sleep in my Ford Explorer in the back of, you know, in the parking lot, and then I'd, you know, drive back uh, the next day. Um, you know, those were the things you had to do to kind of manage costs and, and be successful. Um, but during that time, my health was terrible. My choice, my health choices were absolutely miserable. I ate Dunkin' Donuts every morning. I had um, McDonald's one day a week or one day, once a day, sometimes probably twice a day. So my choices were just absolutely terrible on the health side. And, and I'll get to my journey as you know, I eventually did realize that and, and made some pretty big corrections. Um, my thirties, I got a little bit better. Um, you know, once you start having kids, um, you start making different choices. They, you know, a, a wife and child help you kind of prioritize things in a different way. And and by 40, you know, I had a pretty big life event, sounds like similar to yours, which is you know, I have um, two parents that, um, that were 70 at the time, um, extraordinarily healthy. In fact, if you were to look at my father at 70, he, he is the picture book of health. Yet he had quindeple, five bypass surgeries, quintuple bypass surgery, um, kind of emergency. You know, it didn't it just absolutely shocked everybody in the family, myself included. Now, he is, that's five years ago, um, he is doing great. He is in, and arguably in better health than he was when he was 70. Um, but that was a pretty big wake up call. Um, you know, at the time, I'd gone to the Cooper Clinic. Um, are you familiar with the Cooper Clinic? I'm, I've heard of it. Yeah, so it's, it's here in Texas. It's in Dallas. It's, um, you go, it's, it's far from cheap, but, um, you know, they will basically test everything in the body. So prior to my dad's um, uh, heart issues, I had gone and spent, um, spent the resources and tested everything. And they basically came back and said, you look great, with one pretty big exception. Your cholesterol is just way too high. Um, and, and at the time your HbA1c, which is your precursor for diabetes was, 
if in, in normal range, or I'm saying say it's a, it's elevated, but nothing to be alarmed about. Um, my father's, you know, event was a wake up call that I need to change. So, uh, from there, um, I became a pescatarian. Um, I cut out most sugars. I still eat sugar for sure, but it's, you know, it's, it's been reduced pretty drastically. And with the exception of cheese, and, and I did tell the doctor a life without cheese is not worth living. Um, you know, I have a pretty healthy diet and my cholesterol is way down. So, I mean, I, you know, I am data driven. I am a geeky engineer by training. Um, and if I look at kind of, you know, we, we originally talked about, I feel good, but I also, my data says I'm doing very well. You know, my, my cholesterol is down, my HbA1c is down, uh, body fat is down, you know, every way, shape or form, you know, I've made improvements over the last five years. As a, as a tech guy, and by the way, that's, that's tremendous. And, you know, as a tech guy, as a data driven guy, and also now running a business with so a, a large menu of services that you guys keep adding to. What are some of your personal favorites and how have you also kind of, I guess, figured out, you know, just in layman's terms, like which ones work for you? Which are the ones that you really want to invest in? You've talked about spending, you know, money and making these investments. And I believe that wholeheartedly, like on an investment, we expect a return Mm -hmm. an expense, like whatever, but we're doing this, you know, to get return on our investment. Yeah. So, so for me, it's real simple. Um, during that same Cooper clinic, um, review, and, and even then when I did testing in the restore locations, of micronutrient trust, I was deficient in four different things. Even at 40 years old, I was deficient in four different things. Um, and through kind of a series of working with doctors there and now doctors here at restore put together my own personal drip menu. So, um, I alternate, I get a drip every two weeks. Um, that I alternate back and forth between, between two different drips, um, that are designed to, to, you know, give me back what I was struggling to get from a nutrition level and, and from amino acid level, those types of things. Um, so that is my favorite. That is, you know, what I use frequently. Um, the part that I should do more than I do is hyperbaric. Um, you know, I, I do have the downside for my genes is in the end, um, I, you know, I'll probably go from a heart attack and the good news is I probably won't know where I am when I go. Um, we have early all timers, um, in the family pretty, pretty consistently. So, you know, the data, the early data on that, um, on Alzheimer's and, and hyperbarics is pretty good. And I think, you know, the, the data set is growing. So I think if I had more, if I was more conscious about this, I would spend more time in the hyperbaric. And then the last one is um, cryotherapy. And, and, and I'm not one that does cryotherapy every day. However, um, when I hurt my back, which is you know, the, probably the only area I get pain, um, cryotherapy solves the problem. You know? And it, it's, an, it's absolutely an amazing product when you do have that discomfort. And I, and I think you know, one of the weird things in society is we've, we've morphed the word. There's, there's a negative stigmatization with the word pain. And when you ask people if they have pain, you know, a lot of people say no. And you kind of look, you look at them and you look, ah, it's surprising you'd say no. But then you kind of reframe the question and say, do you have discomfort? And when you ask it that way, the percentage of people that say, yeah, I have discomfort. And what happens is that discomfort, if you allow it to persist, persist, it starts limiting the way you live life. So that's why it is so important to get rid of that discomfort. And, and cryotherapy for me is what gets rid of that discomfort. When I start having the slightest aches and pains, I do cryotherapy, it solves that problem, and I can continue doing, you know, living the life I want to live. Let's turn this to travel a little bit, because you do travel quite a bit. I've started traveling more recently, as in, knock on wood, fortunately, speaking things have come up, our son went off to college, um, doing various events. Travel is a tough one for me. It's a tough one for others. Um, and now that we're back to traveling you know, again, uh, do you change anything 
or how do you prepare for that? Because look, that's what I'm struggling with right now. Got back, picked up something, of course, you know, yeah. from our son and the, and the hundreds of freshmen that are in the same dorm. You come home, you get on planes, and you go, I'm, I'm off my game. You know, I'm off my routine. Do you do anything different? Well, so, so I, I, I will do almost anything to sleep in my own bed. Okay, so I, I am one that will, I will wake up at 3.30 in the morning to be able to get on the first flight as long as I sleep in my bed. And, and again, that's a priority. Not everybody has that priority, but I, I don't particularly sleep well in a hotel, so, so that, that limits my, uh, or changes my behavior. Um, you know, here's the thing. You get on a plane, you go to 35,000 feet, and dry air, you get dehydrated. Um, that's why the reason people, you know, do drips when they travel, it has more to do with the dehydration than anything else. Now you also around, you know, the 180 other people in a closed in space. And, you know, yes, the HEPA filters on the planes do work and I'm not questioning that or anything like that, but you're standing in line, you're all on top of each other as you're going in. So you're way more susceptible to get sick. And that's why, you know, the immunity drip before you go, um, on, on a plane, um, it absolutely makes sense. And I think that's why a lot of people do do that for sure. Too cool and for cool. New developments, new tech. What are they, and what do they do for people? Yeah, so so great question. They're, they're cryotherapy machines. Um, so there, there's a long history here. Um, cryotherapy has been around for a very long time. It was developed in the in Japan in the 70s. Um, but you know, cold technology has been around since you know the Hippocratic School. You know, the Hippocratic School of Medicine in you know eight BC discussed cold therapy as a as a solution for muscle soreness. So it is not a new concept um, using cold uh, for for healing. Um, we got in this business, Jim and I. You know, we we actually started using cryotherapy that used nitrogen. So there's two ways in the system you can cool somebody down. You can take liquid nitrogen, which becomes a gas at negative 180 degrees Celsius, Celsius, and you can basically gas that um, and use that transfer of energy to the consumer um, to cool them down. Now, um, the challenge with that is twofold. Number one, well, nitrogen's everywhere. Nothing surprising about that. 70% of air is nitrogen. However, getting it down to negative 180 degrees Celsius requires a tremendous amount of energy. But more importantly, it requires a tremendous amount of energy to transport it to where it needs to go. And if you can imagine, you have something that gases at a very low temperature, um, it's constantly gassing off. So it is a very inefficient, uh, from an environmental standpoint, from an energy standpoint, it's a very inefficient way uh, of cooling. Now, it was the way everybody pretty much cooled. That was the way that cryotherapy was built um, for years. Um, we saw you know, a need, again, this comes back to what we were trying to accomplish as a business, which was really to create scale um, and drive down the price. Um, we knew we needed a different way to do that. So um, we set out and kind of looked at all the cryotherapy units in the marketplace, and, and two things really jumped out, or three. Number one, um, you know, I apologize how this sounds, but most of them didn't seem, they all seem like they're a bad month from being out of business, you know, and, and the idea of building our, our business on another top of another business that we didn't feel uh, was financially viable, that made us really nervous. Um, two, the user experience was just pretty terrible on most of them. You know, it was, you kind of, um, it, they were people that were making meat lockers and other things and, you know, everything about it did not have the right consumer experience for what we were trying to accomplish as a company. And then lastly, they were cost prohibitive. Um, the cost of nitrogen, um, it was just hard for us to get the price point down to where a consumer could use the product consistently. So, um, we, with those three things in mind, uh, we made a strategic decision and at, at the time it was a, a very big and financial commitment, um, was to build our 
own and design and build our own cryotherapy system from scratch. So the four cool um, is the first manifestation of that. It is a four person chamber. So the other thing we realized, um, and I think this is true of everything in life, life's more fun with friends. Um, so everything about Restore is designed to be social. Um, and cryotherapy is, is you know, just one of those things that's designed to be social. So the four cool system allows four people to go in at a time. Um, it is colder than other systems, um, which means you can, and you know, we have pretty strong data on that. Um, you can, um, you can measure skin temperature change. Um, you know, it, it, the, uh, we know if we have customers, we have two systems sitting side by side, I'll, you know, later today, you're going to go into one of our stores and we have, you know, what we think is the best competitor in the marketplace. And we have our unit sitting side by side. Customer can choose which one they go into every day. 91% of the time they choose to go into the four cool electric machine because it's just that much better of a user experience. Um, so, uh, so that, that product, um, everything about it has been reimagined. Um, you know, one of the nice things about when you start from something from scratch is you can build it from your, your imagination. And, you know, what I love, what I'm passionate about is building new products that, that improve people's lives. Um, and, and the cryotherapy was probably one of the most fun I've, I've been able to work on in my career. Um, you have music while you're in there. You know, so simple things like being able to, you know, dance while you're, you know, doing cryotherapy, that changes the user experience. Being able to talk to the customer or the, the hyper wellness rep on the outside, that changes your feeling of safety. Um, you know, a lot of the other systems in the marketplace, they have our big glass window, okay? LeBron James, I'm sure, loves standing, you know, in his underwear in front of the rest of the open facility. You know, the average 45-year-old dude that's a little overweight probably doesn't want to stand there in his underwear. So we have the ability to tint the glass so you have privacy, but yet you feel connected to the outside world. So these are all innovations we drove to make it the best user experience in the marketplace. And we accomplished on that, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. In addition to that, the other challenge we saw was when we started, you know, talking to people that are using other cryotherapy equipment uh, was reliability. So, you know, we have stores that do, you know, 100 services a day. And if you're going to do 100 services a day, if you're down one day or down one hour, that has a huge impact on the customer. And a lot, a lot of our customers, this is part of their daily routine. It is changing their lives. They could have rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia. They're there on a daily basis. This is, this is their replacement often for pharmaceuticals. So, you know, you can't be down. So on the back end, we have done a number of things um, uh, using AI and predictive analytics that we have a 98.9% uptime, which we, you know, I, I don't know what our competitors are. We have some good feels, but it, we're substantially uh, better than them, which allows our customers to have, have confidence they're going to show up and this, the machine's going to work. Mm. Technology is amazing. The idea to execution aspect, phenomenal. Um, what still comes across to me a little bit and what I hear a lot from guys is like, you know, who is this for in terms of like, I'm not an athlete, you know, or I'm not in great shape or right now, you know, I want to get my health back. Do I start with, with some, with this, or do I have to go start working out and get really sore? Or I sit at my desk all day. So is it for me because I'm pretty sedentary, you know, in terms of maybe a perception or kind of who restores really for? Is it, you know, is it an athlete? Is it everybody? Is it, again, the 45-year-old guy you were talking about who may want a little frosted tinted glass, you know, but needs it? You know, also, I think one of the, the key things here um, is letting kind of the masses in a way know like, hey, this is applicable for this type of person or any kind of person here how here's how it's utilized as opposed to you know this is either beyond me you know or or i'm not ready for this yet mm -hmm. or 
how long do I need to freeze for? Because I've never gotten cold, you know, in my life willingly, you yeah. know, before. Yeah. Well, again, I hate cold. I, mean, I literally moved from Philadelphia to Texas because I hate cold. That was a primary driver for my, for my move. So as somebody that hates cold with a passion, um, you know, I still do cryotherapy f- frequently because while it is cold, it is not like doing an ice bath. I, I will tell you, for me, an ice bath is almost torture. You know, um, where, you know, I, I think I get the same effect from cryotherapy without the torture, which is, and, and quicker. Um, time is, you know, for me, the most valuable resource in my life is, is time. So I, I take that very seriously. So um, who's it for? Um, I, I really think, you know, it is that this, that discomfort. And that discomfort comes from a lot of places. So, so somebody that has discomfort, again, you go to the gym. And when you first start working out, it's painful. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing when you've been doing it every day for 10 years, but those first days especially are painful. And it gets really easy to quit because of the discomfort. Again, maybe it's not pain, maybe it's discomfort. Our ability to help you get past that discomfort, to keep your body moving, to keep you working towards your fitness goals, that's what enables people to change the trajectory of their lives. You know, as you get older, you just get more headwinds. It gets, it does get harder. You know, the recovery takes a little bit longer. There are more aches and pains. If we can help people get past those, we keep them moving. The more we keep them moving, the better they're going to do, the healthier they're going to be, and the longer, more, you know, fulfilling lives they're going to live. And that's, that's what gets us up here at Red Restore. We know we're having that impact on people's lives on an individual basis and as a, as a society. The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust, and each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak, and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. What are some of the challenges that mm, you see your customers facing, you know, that, that they're walking in the door mm, or inquiring about? Again, you know, I kind of stay narrow and deep in the midlife male range, but even, out, even outside of that, you know, the question is like, as we age, we start facing a variety of different challenges. I know we, you know, we went down, you know, into the cold area before, but and there's so much more out there. But not just personally, but like, what are you hearing, you know, from from your clients? Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things is um, health is is a holistic way of. You have to think about health, health holistically. Excuse me. Um, you know, I think the challenges for midlife, uh, males or females, is the balancing act that's required. You know, you have kids. You have parents, um, you have a work, you have a career. And the, balancing those things at that point in time, there are just more demands when you're in midlife than there are later in life. You know, an empty, empty nester lives a very different life than somebody that's got, you know, I have four kids at home. Um, so I think the challenges that people are facing that I see, are, you know, in the midlife male, and we'll, since we'll assume that's the audience we're talking to, is figuring out ways to balance those challenges in their lives. Figuring out how to, you know, look at these different buckets uh, of family and work and, and your own personal needs and figure out ways to, you know, make sure you keep that balance. Because the reality is, you know, Take work. You know, I there are I, I have a lot of friends. Work is 100% of their focus, and they are working 80 hours a week, week in and week out. Um, and the problem with that, or the challenge, is um, that starts to become your identity. 
And if work is your only identity, um, that's an unhealthy thing. And by the way, there are a lot of the most successful people in the world have been able to accomplish that. Um, but for every one successful person that has, you know, accomplished something amazing by being unilaterally focused on work, there's probably a million that end up in the loony bin because um, they just, you know, it, it, it's not a healthy way to, to live life. So if your identity is so tied up in the one aspect of your life, that, that's a very dangerous aspect. And by the way, the same is true um, in personal lives. You know, you know, again, um, I have my kids are 15, 13, 11 and nine. So and, and they're all in the sports. And uh, I will tell you, you watch parents on the sidelines. They are living their lives through their kids. OK, and by the way, that's there's not that that's a terrible thing in certain aspects. But when your identity starts getting wrapped up in your kids um, alone, again, I think the healthy dose of that having some um, relationship with your kids is very important but if your identity is wrapped up in your child's football game that's a, that's a problem um and then it also another extreme is if you find and are focused entirely on yourself and every day and by the way i love the kiteboard you know i would love to be wing foiling every day but i have to balance that with the fact i have you know four kids and a wife and i have parents that, that i love dearly um and i have a job that, that i am passionate about and I find purpose in so so i think the the you know the challenges that people face in midlife that are probably a little bit even more different than the rest of um uh, of society is that balance is harder and the balance is harder because it's the time in life where you have so many demands that you just don't have at other players in life. 20 year olds, I'm sorry to the 20 year olds, life's easy, okay? You just, you don't, I, when I was in my 20s, I didn't have a wife, I didn't have kids, I was focused on work, and you know, there were not a lot of people and, you know, that needed me other than my, my company. Um, that's very different today, and, and finding that balance, I think everybody struggles with. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more as you're doing this, I'm thinking, okay, well that's chapter four, okay, that's chapter six, you'll be hosting this by, by this time next year. You know what you're talking about? Like, the over-indexing trap, you know, and, and I talk about it a lot. We see it, you know, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's living vicariously through your kids. I mean, we even see it on the health and wellness side. They watch everything that they eat again, and they have a morning routine that takes them four hours to get into their day. <laughs> and if they miss it, you know, anything, you know, too much of a good thing is you know, too, too much of a good thing. Maybe not, not as good of a thing. You had talked about, you know, you, you've mentioned balance. You've mentioned holistic approach now a couple of times combination of technology, combination of kind of, of humanity, passion and purpose. Uh, and you talked about success, you know, early on in your career, especially like, like what success looked like I had to be successful. What, what does success actually look like to you? Yeah, I, I think it's hard to put a definition on it. Um, cause it's one of those things. I think, uh, the Supreme court and justice, um, Thomas described porn as you just know it when you see it. And I think success is that way as well. You kind of just know it when you see it. You feel it when you have it right. Um, for me, um, it has been that balance. It has been at any point, I feel like, um, my relationship with my family is right. I feel like my, I'm getting my own needs. I'm doing my own, living my own life, um, accomplishing the things I want to accomplish in life. And I feel like things are going right at work and I found balance. So, so I think that is, um, for me and, and everybody's gonna be different. Um, but it's that feeling. I just know it's, it's right. And, and I, I also know when it's out of balance and what I, you know, I've been pretty good at in my career in life is when it is out of balance, finding ways to get it back in balance. And I just, I, I kind of, I gut know it. When my sleeping starts to deteriorate, that's usually an indication something's not right. And, and I, you know, I work to spend time to figure it out. I, I'm pretty unique in the fact that um, I carve out at a minimum two hours a week. I usually carve out more like four to eight 
where I just I have a blank slate. I turn off my phone. I turn off my watch. Um, I have a dry erase board, and I just think. I you know, sometimes I have a specific topic that I'm trying to dig into and to solve. Often it is I go into that session. And I'm like I don't even know what I'm gonna think about. Let's see what comes to mind, um, and I use that quiet time um, effectively to make sure I keep my life on track. Mm. Do you utilize any other service? Like, do you use a coach? Do you have a therapist? Are you part of a mastermind? You know, no. mm. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, I think those things are healthy. And I think, um, you know, I, I really encourage people, especially on the coach side. Um, you know, I think it's very helpful for people. Um, you know, I tend to have peer groups. So um, I have a group of guys that um, financially have been successful on a similar level. We get together once a month and, and just talk and share ideas. Um, I keep touch with, and I to this day spend tons of time with my high school friends and if you ever think you're getting too successful go hang out with your high school friends and remember what you're doing when you're an 18 year old idiot they'll bring it back down to earth pretty darn quick um so you know i i i I try to find again the balance and, and finding ways to connect with different people that have different perspectives um you know the 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 time alone in your own room your own thoughts um is just incredibly important and I think too few people do it. They get, life can get really easy to just react. Every day, this happens, somebody comes to my desk, I'm gonna react to that, I'm gonna react to that. Um, if you don't have a process for which you get back from that, take a step back and say, you know, am I being productive? Am I using my time wisely? Am I helping my team members? Am I helping them use their time wisely? If you don't have a set process, it's really easy to get caught up in the reacting life. And I, and I don't think that's just work. You know, again, if you have kids, it gets really easy just to react and, you know, hey, they want to go to this game or that game. And all of a sudden you're reacting and you lose your family time. You know, you lose, for us, we have dedicated family time where, you know, phones are off, everybody's focused, and everybody knows it's just us. Um, and that's part of our process as a family and it's part of my process on my, my personal life. On the topic of process, and again, balance and keeping these things in order and checking in with yourself and family time, are you a calendar guy? Like, what is your process? My process, um, so I control my own calendar. Um, I've had times in life where I had, I've had a time where I had two assistants and um, every minute of the day was scheduled. Um, This is where I found if I let that happen, I end up unhappy. I end up with, you know, everybody that wants to meet with you can meet with you. You know, when I was running Dream It, um, you know, Dream It is, you know, one of the most active investment firms in the country. Um, everybody that had an idea would email us, you know, so, so there were the, it was infinite amount of demand for my time. Um, what I found, though, is if I let that happen, I also I'm constantly reacting. So I control my own calendar at all times. That's probably unusual for somebody that's it's in my, my role. Um, and then I block off blocks, you know, so again, it blocks for personal time, but even blocks if, hey, I need substantial amount of time with this person to discuss these things, I'll, I'll block that off. So I, I, you know, the most valuable resource of, for me, and I think for most people is time, I am incredibly efficient and thoughtful on make sure I manage my time. And, you know, I'm utilizing it in those three buckets and making sure that if it's not helping one of those three buckets, I'm not doing it. To that effect, you know you're not doing it, it doesn't be in one of those three buckets. It's still... You're in demand. Mm-hmm. Doesn't stop people from firing that shot across the bow, asking for your time, wanting your time. How do you say no or protect those boundaries? Because you guys, and, and Jim does this really well, I think, too, are able to say no politely. You're able to kind of figure out where, where the line is. And that's a, tough, that's a tough skill. I mean, it's easy to get sucked back into wanting to please or giving up your time. And you know it, but living it and sticking to it is harder. Yeah, I, I have no problem saying, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have the time. It's it's that simple. Um, you know, here, you know, 
Uh, with my, my team around me, I have what's called the Steve Welch Owner's Manual. So it's a four-page document that I share with anybody that I'm going to work with, and it's designed to help people get the most out of me. And, and one of the most important rules of that um, document um, is that you know if you're going to schedule time with me, I, you can do it. But you should come prepared. You should have uh, what you're trying to accomplish, um, and you should follow up after that meeting specifically with what we got accomplished and any action items I have or, that are on my my table. So, um, part of it is part of it is training the people around you to understand, you know, my priority is time um, and how to make sure they effectively utilize utilize my time. Where did that idea come from? Did you come up with that? I, you know, I call, talk about creating your personal operating system. Yeah. you know, a lot. And this is your owner's manual. Did this come from somebody or? No, I can't. I mean, it, it dream it. Um, I just it, dream it. Dream it's tough as well. You know, we, you know, going back years, we would bring in 10 to 15 companies at a time. And, and we would have, we had spent intense four months with those companies. And during that time, we'd have a, a board meeting basically every week. And if you can imagine doing a board meeting with 15 different companies a week. Um, and what I realized is I needed to figure out a process for getting those entrepreneurs trained to use my time wisely. So that's kind of how it started was, you know, I, you know, I had a, every four months, I had a new set of companies that I had to deal with. So it couldn't be, hey, you know, in life, often we're working with somebody long enough, they kind of figure out how to work with you. But I didn't have that luxury anymore. So I developed a process process for like day one, we're going to make sure these young entrepreneurs know what to expect of me and what, how they're going to get something out of me. And then over time, that's, it's morphed as my roles in life have changed, but I've always tried to update that manual, um, with how I've changed and how to get a lot out of people. Do you have a longer one? Meaning like, Hey, here's how to operate with me and here's how I'll operate with you. But meaning like, where is your life three years from now or five years? Do you, do you have that mapped out? I do. I'm, I am somebody that works off a long-term plan. Um, you know, so, uh, I, I am always on a five-year evolving plan. I do have a process at the end of the year where I evaluate, um, what went right. So first of all, goal setting for the year on a personal level. So again, that, that often ties into my professional goals. Um, but I think it's amazing as a society that we train every person, you know, companies have goals, companies have deliverables and KPIs, but then in our own personal lives, there are very few people that actually sit there and say, this is what I'm going to try to accomplish in the next year. And here's what I'm going to try to accomplish in the next five years. So I do that every year, um, early in January. Um, and, and you know, I do a real honest self-evaluation. There's years where I shit the bed and I, I didn't accomplish personal goals. I didn't accomplish business goals. Um, there's other years where I get done the end of the year and I'm like, man, I nailed it. I nailed it. I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Um, so, you know, that, that is a, again, I think, you have to have process in life to accomplish these things. And again, you know, how do you find happiness? I think a lot of it is, you know, building a framework that allows you to provide yourself success and happiness. Mm. How much of this, it's obviously you, do you bring into your home too? Like, I know your kids are young. You were talking about like, are they working on this? Like, you know, you talked about sports and living vicariously or whether you're coaching your kids. I've got a whole thing on, you know, when I coach my kids and then why I don't coach them, you know, anymore. If you try to get your kids to exercise, they don't want to do it with me. They want to do it with, with my buddy, of course, or my trainer because dad's not as cool. You know, how much are you able to kind of bring in, you know, to, to your family, which you obviously mentioned is, is, the priority and you talk about balancing this but your systems your experiences your processes yeah uh, so first of all i think the most important thing to always do in life is lead by example so um your kids you can tell them all the things you want them to do unless you're living that life it's just bullshit 
So I can tell my kids, yeah, cut out sugar, but when they see me eat a Kit Kat, trust me, they notice. Um, so, so the most important thing is your kids are going to most likely live the life you're living. So if you want your kids to live a different life, live a different life yourself. Um, the process is brought in again, it's how we carve out family time. Um, we take, you know, we try to live, we have a live on a boat six weeks a year. Um, in that no phones. Uh, my wife and I do have phones, but the kids, no phones, basically no electronics is just family time. There's nobody other than us. Um, that is part of the, you know, I think, I believe my kids of it, uh, understand like how valuable that is. They love it. Um, you know, even, even as they've gotten older and friends have become more important, which is super healthy, they still value and cherish that time. So we've, we've continued to do it even with the kids getting older. What's your advice? I hear six weeks on a boat and I hear no phones. And then I hear, you know, Ding, ding, bing, here goes my email box and people going, how does somebody take six weeks off and how do they do that? Well, it's we not six weeks straight. straight. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But break, break it, break it down for me because the majority of guys that I hear from can't get out of their desk. Everything's going to fall apart. You know, if they leave or they take vacation or they go on vacation in the, and I think even the stats say this, it's like by day four is the first day you start to relax for most guys where they can put the phone down and realize the office and everything else isn't going to fall apart. Yeah. So most of them also, you said it, they realize the world's not going to fall apart. They, they tend to think the world will fall apart without them. Um, that's natural human nature. Um, if you build a great organization, um, you know, you, you definitely are needed. It is not to suggest that, but it, you know, if you, if you can't disappear for weeks at a time, uh, with your organization, then you haven't built the right organization. So, um, you know, I think what we've done here and, and throughout all, all the companies I've been involved with is building a leadership team, um, making sure that everybody understands the mission, making sure everybody understands the goals and making sure everybody's empowered to act on that mission. And, and then really importantly, held accountable. Um, if people aren't accountable, they're not the right people. Um, and, and you need to replace them with people that are. So, you know, that's, that's what enables you to be able to find that balance in life. And again, I think, and I, by the way, I, I was absolutely guilty of this in my twenties. So this is, this is, you know, and I've been certainly guilty of this probably after that, but, um, you know, you get, it's really easy to get caught up in a business and think like, I am the only thing that matters in this business. And if I go away, this business falls apart. And by the way, if you go away forever, that may be. Um, but, you know, again, if you build the right team, the right mission, the right incentive structure, the right accountability, you can accomplish leaving that thing alone for a little bit of time. And by the way, when you come back, you're better. There's no question. You know, I, I, I see guys burn out. They, you know, at Dreamit, we've funded... Um, close to 500 companies at this point. I think it's between four and 500 companies. So I have seen, and these are companies that have been highly successful like SeatGeek and Octane Lending and Echo. Um, and, and, you know, as for every entrepreneur I've seen just kill it, I've seen 10 that have burnt out. They just, they go too hard for too long and that becomes the only thing they're working on and they can't get out of their own head. So entrepreneur is, is a big buzzword. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and they want to be the boss, they want to be the main guy. And you have funded companies, you've led companies, and you've built now a number of companies. What about the guy mm -hmm. who's not the entrepreneur, mm -hmm. who's not in, in the C-suite? I get a lot of leaders like yourself on, on the show. And there seems to be this dichotomy between either I'm the entrepreneur and I'm the leader, you know, or I'm not where I'm supposed to be. You know? So how do I you know, own my life in a way and how do I feel you know, empowered and how do you work with that? You guys have an amazingly dynamic culture you know, here. Um, but for those guys that are out there mm -hmm. that are, again, the middle, whether that's age or stage, like, 
What's your advice to them? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's one that's hard to answer because everybody's life circumstances are, are, are very different. Um, I wrote a book when I was 30 called We Were All Born Entrepreneurs. Um, I wrote it when I was 30, so it's not the best book in the world, but um, I, it was one of probably my favorite project. But in that book, I, I went and interviewed, um, uh, you know, well over 100 entrepreneurs and what made them tick. Um, and in that process, what I realized was everybody is an entrepreneur. Like even if you just kind of started talking to entrepreneurs, you know, when they describe their teams, those teams were entrepreneurs. They are all trying to figure out how to make things more efficient. So, you know, the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody that is trying to take a current state, change it, and make it a better state in the future. So um, that is not for everybody, okay? So, uh, again, there are people that are not going to live that life, but there are a more, higher percentage of people that are actually every day waking up and are more entrepreneurial than they realize. Um, they are doing it in a different framework. You know, I, I happen to be doing it in a framework where, I, you know, I'm, I'm a leading a company or I'm in a key investor, uh, but it's still happening um, on uh, across the board no matter where they are. Um, I think the challenge becomes um, I, I am afforded a different level of freedom for sure, uh, because of my role. But I think even within bigger companies, more and more, you're seeing companies look at different structures and high performers, uh, people that are successful, they're going to figure out how to keep them around. They're going to figure out how to make sure they're successful. And I suspect, you know, almost every high performer in this country, if they said, they went to their boss and said, Hey, I'm going to take two weeks. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to spend time with the family. Um, if your boss says, no, don't do that. You know, that's probably not the right place to be. Mm, it's such it's such a good point. Ab, we talk about the middle and also being being the sweet spot. We talk about making midlife the next and best phase of life. What phase do you think restore is in, and what's the next and best phase for restore? Yeah, so it's a great question. We're still scaling. Um, you know, I think we have 180-ish locations open today, plus or minus a couple. Um, you know, we're you know last two months, I think we've opened up um, 16 locations. So we're we are moving very quickly. Um, you know, for us right now, what we're focused on is building out the system. You know, it is to make sure that anybody in this country that has these needs, um, we're there to help them. Um, so that is absolutely the focus of, of the company right now. Um, beyond that, you know, I think you know, we'll, you'll see a couple of tricks up our sleeves in the coming months and years um, on our technology side um, that will really kind of change the way healthcare works. Um, but we're in it for the long haul. My partner, Jim and I, we are, we've, you know, we've had successes. Um, this for us is to build something that's big, that's meaningful, that really changes the course of healthcare. You know, if you look, healthcare is pretty screwed up. Um, it is, you know, and I, I've spent most of my career in healthcare. So, um, the market right now, we spend basically 83 cents of every dollar once somebody's sick, 83 cents of every dollar once somebody's sick. That's an insane equation. And I think what you're going to see happen over the next couple decades is we are going to really move the needle on changing that equation where it is not going to be 83 cents on everybody's sick. It's going to be, let's invest 83 cents in advance to make sure we have a higher quality life long-term. And I think as a society, we'll get better returns from that. Um, people will have better lives, more fulfilling lives. Um, so that's the part of the equation that we're focused on making sure uh, we accomplish. With that said, you got to you got to you got to hit the milestones first. You got to make sure you're you know doing the incremental things to improve and to build out the system, which is really where we're focused right now. All of this involves a tremendous amount of growth, tremendous amount of pressure, tremendous amount of people. Mm -hmm. You seem like a pretty level-headed guy. Mm -hmm. Now we've talked marathons and everything. Your times are getting better. When when the shit hits the fan, mm -hmm. like it does personally, professionally, like what do you do? What are your coping mechanisms? 
Yeah. So, so shit hit, you have this many people in a system, shit hits the fan. It's just, you know, the probability of life. Um, you know, I, I tend to, I'm not worried when there's a problem. I'm worried when there's not a solution. And, and what I mean by that is I am totally, um, get fixated on finding a solution and I will be stressed and I won't sleep. Um, and then I'll, once we feel like, Hey, we have a solution. Now it's an execution point. Then I'm, I'm relaxed. You know, so even though the problem hasn't been solved, we have a plan to solve the problem. Once that's in place, you know, I am about as level-headed as you get. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable. But getting that plan, getting that, you know, when you know there's a problem, getting to a solution, I am about as focused and high energy and as you will get in this world and, and getting to that point. So for me, it's, that's, that's the, key, the trick. Mm. Is there a question mm-hmm. that you wait for somebody to ask you that just has not come up yet? I'm waiting for somebody to ask me that. I've done out X number of these, you know, out here. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, uh, this is separate, but where I, it kind of popped in my head as you were talking about, you know, um, you know, not everybody every, the, in the middle, how do you, how do you manage the things that we're talking about? You know, one thing I've realized over the last couple of years, it is it's intellectual curiosity. What you want to do is surround yourself with people with intellectual curiosity. Um, the most successful people, you know, are, are, because that intellectual curiosity forces people to dig deep on everything. It forces them, makes them more interesting people. Um, you know, my, you know, we have one family motto. Well, we have two, but one of them that, that I'm pretty upfront about is surround yourself with good people. Good things happen. Surround yourself with bad people. Bad things happen. So, you know, the, the slight change of that is surround yourself with interesting people. Interesting things happen. Surround yourself with boring people. Boring things happen. Um, and I, I think, you know, I've, I've come to appreciate more and more over life um, being surrounded with people that are intellectually curious, that aren't just kind of showing up and doing a job, that aren't just saying a clock in the ticket. They're, they're out there and they're thinking through, why is this happening? And those create the best employees. They create the best partners. Um, and I've been blessed, blessed to have both. We are heading into 2023. So now we're November 1st. Okay, here we are. So we're going to crank out the rest of this year. You're going to finish off on the goals that you've set. Goals for the year ahead. Do you have a personal goal, an athletic goal, um, a professional goal, a family goal? Yeah, so we, we still have two months to go in this, this calendar year, so I still have some goals I need to, to accomplish this year. Um, yeah, that, that process, and I, I absolutely do have those, um, but that process will begin in earnest for me you know, near the end of the year where I evaluate how did I do versus this year's goals. Okay. So you wait till the end. I do. Okay. I, it's, always, it's always percolating in my head for sure, um, but you know, I, I do have, I really have a formal process for which I do it um, where I literally fill out a form, go through that form and evaluate where I was and then kind of set the goals going forward. So Where do you stand on resolutions then um so the on a a pretty good um uh, on the personal side uh, very good so my my main goal this year from a personal side was to learn to wing foil uh wing foiling is if you're not familiar on a board as a foil you're holding onto a wing and it creates the use the wind the power yourself you lift out of the water and it's pretty amazing experience so um i started the year having not never done that um i've done a lot of kiteboarding i've done a ton of sailing um but this was something i've i've it just started kind of becoming a thing two years ago and I've seen people do and it looks incredible. Um, I spent, you know, an amazing amount of hours trying to do it. And, and it was, there was a point at which I was ready to give up. It is hard as hell. It is like 3d surfing, uh, with a, you know, holding onto a sail. Um, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Less or more challenging or dangerous than kiteboarding. Definitely more, um, challenging, uh, less dangerous, which is why I like it. I've had, I've had some kiteboarding experiences in the last year 
maybe last year and a half where I'm like, that almost ended really, really badly. Um, and uh, it's not that I won't kiteboard anymore, but I am less eager to kiteboard once I've gotten, you know, you know hit, the, hit the land at, you know, 20 miles an hour and tumbled, tumbled off around the beach. So, um, but, you know, the things I love to do, I love being on the water. So, you know, the, you know whether it's surfing, whether it's sailing, um, or now wing foiling, I love being on the water. And I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that my kids enjoy and my wife enjoy those same things. So, you know, part of, you know, what I've been lucky for, and but a little bit has happened because I've I've spent time on it. Is my my kids have similar passions that I do? You know, I have a I have one daughter. She will scuba dive with me 24 hours a day, every day, if I'd ask her. Um, I have another daughter that will you know will wing foil with me every day. Uh, my son will kiteboard with me every day. Um, so that allows me to kind of. <laughs> Selfishly, it allows me to check two boxes at once. I get to get you know the me time, the things I'm passionate about, but also the family time and the build a relationship with with my kids. Um, so going back though, you know, for those that haven't tried it, wing foiling is amazing. Um, when you get it right, it, it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Uh, but once you get it, you feel like you're flying. Um, you can go you, know, you can go faster than the wind, literally. Um, it, but it's not for the faint-hearted. Very cool. I've seen videos. I've not done it. Laird makes it look very simple, you know, <laughs> certain people out there, like anything you watch can make it look very simple, understanding how, how challenging it must be. But the point being also guys out there, don't stop with your hobbies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't stop with your passions. Go take on new challenges. Try hard things. You know, you, you learn by trying, you learn by, by failing. I mean, you know, I, again, I've spent a lot of hours failing at wing foiling before. And all, by the way, for me, for whatever reason, it just snapped and all of a sudden I had it and it was great. But you know, two hours earlier, I was ready to, you know, lose my mind. I just couldn't get it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think again, this comes back to my, uh, a process to say, Hey, I'm going to drive my life. I'm going to control what's going to happen in my life. I'm not just going to react to what's going on in the world around me. Um, and, you know, I set the goal this year if I'm going to learn a wing foil. That seemed kind of crazy. Never done it. Um, it is dangerous. It is, um, it is hard. It's, you know, there, there actually, there's a separate Facebook uh, group that I recently discovered called Wing Foilers Over 40 because the vast majority of people in this sport are, you know, 18 and 21 years old. And it turns out there's a sub segment of people that didn't have quite the same balance that they had when they were 21 that, that needed different techniques. Um, so and it, it's fascinating. One of the amazing things about the world today is um, it just didn't exist 20 years ago. Like the ability to connect and find people to explore people that had similar interests is just so much easier than it was 20 years ago. And that makes life an awesome place. Well, no doubt. And I think you also, again, categorically, like you shrug it off a little bit, but it's like wing foiling for people over 40 or this for over 40. The point, the point being is there are these groups. We do have this ability, again, to kind of be around like-minded people at similar ages and stages that are doing the things that they enjoy doing with other people who enjoy doing them. And if you happen to fail or if you happen to fall, I know a pretty good place to go to fix you, to fix you back up again that's, that's you know, in there or to decompress or to relax. And maybe I got to think this through. Let me do it with a drip in my arm or let me do it, you know, let me do it in cryo or somewhere else and kind of restore and get back out it to to go after it um i really enjoyed this uh, covered a lot of ground here and we've got more to do you know later later this afternoon which i'm excited about um thank you steve so much for for coming on the podcast there's so many great takeaways here um for that, where do people find you can they still even get your book from when back when you were 30 okay in there too but how do people get in touch with your store and what you guys are all up to most important thing is restore.com um, you know if we don't have a location near you today um, we hopefully will in the in the near future um, come in check out a location you, you'll be amazed at how much we can help your life 
Um, that's what gets this team up, whether it's at the store level, what's here in the corporate level. Um, we have a group of people that are just passionate about helping you live the life you want to live. And so go to restore.com, check that out. Uh, I'm sure you can find uh, a used book on Amazon, um, uh, but uh, don't. I, I'm not sure I would waste your time on that. We'll have something coming out in the near future that I think will be a little more, a little better for for you to recommend uh, to read. Well, I am certainly excited for all of it. I know you guys out there are too. You know, I say this a lot. The food tastes better when you know who cooks it. The businesses become more attractive, you know, to you when you know who's behind it. Um, Jim is an early guest of the Midlife Mail podcast. Check that one out with Jim Donnelly. Now you are here today. It's been amazing to see the evolution and the growth of Restore. Uh, I am personally passionate about what you guys are doing. It's made a tremendous impact in my life. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for catching me up. Let's get to the future. Let's get those locations everywhere so that everybody can find them right away. Check out restore.com. That's where you're going to go find all the information. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, also please leave us that five-star rating. Put a nice review out there. Share the show with your friends. Steve Welch, Restore, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Greg. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the Work With Me page to explore options.